we need to guide women through body acceptance because after we've had a baby, we're different. We're not, we're, we have to rehab our bodies to our new selves and accept the changes that happen with having a baby. But acceptance doesn't necessarily mean we settle either. Motherhood is a full-time job, except there's no clocking out. Hi, I'm Allison, doctor of physical therapy, mom of two, and women's health nerd. Join me as we dive deep into motherhood and answer the questions that everyone wants to know, but no one wants to ask. So grab a coffee, water, or wine, and get comfy while we chat with some of the top women's health practitioners who support moms from fertility through empty nest to improve our mental, emotional, and physical well-being. This is the All Out Motherhood Podcast. (laughs) All right. I am here today with Dr. Libby Troush of Breathe in Des Moines, Iowa. And we're going to be talking about some ways that you can prepare and heal for uh, postpartum and not just postpartum like immediately after delivery, but also postpartum throughout the years. So it might be, you know, five years down the road when you haven't fully healed from everything. I have actually known Libby for quite a few years now, and I'm going to let her tell you guys a little bit about herself. Well, hi. Um, So I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. And Allison and I met at yoga therapy training, so medical therapeutic yoga training on a beach house in North Carolina that I desperately want to go back to just (laughs) about every day. And Allison was actually one of my inspirations to, I mean, this sounds almost offensive, but gosh, if Allison can do it, why can't I do it? (laughs) You're too kind, let me tell you. Gosh. You know, you just, you, you, I was like, that's a regular human being that has a business. Who's my age? Like I can do that. Wow. Incredible. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, just, and so it didn't, it didn't happen right away, but about four years ago, uh, my business partner and I opened Breathe Physical Therapy and Wellness in Des Moines. And one of the main things that inspired me to know that our clinic would be successful I looked at my schedule one day and 60% of the people on my schedule had self, they had said, I want to see Libby specifically. And almost all of them wanted to see me for postpartum, for getting stronger after baby. And that is amazing. And it just, yeah. And that, that came from, I learned so much about diastasis from Ginger, who is the Ginger Garner, who is the um, person who taught us our medical therapeutic yoga. And when I realized that, I thought, oh my gosh, what an underserved market. They, I mean, just people were finding me to talk about postpartum core strengthening and they didn't feel the same after they had their baby and this didn't seem right. And so I think another interesting story to tell on that is I interviewed while I was on maternity leave with my second child, who is now nine, I interviewed at another physical therapy clinic who was owned by men. And I said I wanted to specialize in um, women, prenatal, postpartum, pelvic floor health. And they told me there wasn't a market for it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we now have two clinics and we're getting ready to open our third clinic. And we focus on women and prenatal uh, and postpartum. <laughs> it's, and it, it's like this, things like that surprise me, but they shouldn't because we've heard this so much, you know, but it's still shocking to hear. <laughs> I just, I just want to go na 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 na. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope they're kicking themselves now. 
Oh, I don't know. I still talk to a lot of people, a lot of physical therapists, a lot of physical therapy clinics. They're like, I'm glad you're doing it so we don't have to. And it's just, it makes me cringe. It makes me sad. Yeah, that's very true. Because 50% of their clients are women and almost every woman has a baby at some point in their lives. And so Mm -hmm. by not even acknowledging the toll, the emotional toll, the physical toll that being pregnant and then carrying a baby and feeding a baby and holding a baby who becomes a toddler and then doing that for almost a decade, depending on how many children one has, (laughs) like it's almost being ignored by so many so many other healthcare professionals. Oh, absolutely. And that's, it's very sad because, you know, a lot of PTs kind of pride themselves on being, you know, having like the integrative or holistic approach. But if you're not looking at, especially a woman after giving birth, you know, someone that comes in with back pain, well, do they have prolapse? Do they have other, you know, issues going on down there that are contributing to it? And if you're just treating the back pain, the symptoms, then you're not really addressing the issue. Yeah, and it comes down to just general holistic care all mm-hmm. the way around. Somebody who has a headache and low back pain and a knee problem, like we don't just look at their knee problem, we look at their whole body. And so if we're going to look at your whole body, let's also incorporate your pelvic floor and your core and have you had a baby and what does that look like? Even if somebody's just coming in for a knee problem, we need exactly. to know what's going on everywhere. Exactly. And I know um, just from knowing you and whenever we were at our training in North Carolina, I believe you were eight months pregnant with your third. Yes. yes. (laughs) And he is now. That was a challenging, it was challenging training. Um, I threw up on the first day we had that first morning. I tried not to be, but I threw up for the first time in any pregnancy. I don't think I realized that, but I do remember you went to bed early and you would always go soak in the big soaker tub, which was was amazing. It was amazing. Um, So he's now six. Oh, wow. Gosh, that was that long ago. Oh, my gosh. You know, all those births. But those births also taught me a lot, too, which is. That's what I was getting ready to say here. Yeah. You've had a lot of personal experience that kind of led you into this, you know, business that you're in now. So I had, I have three children. My oldest is 11 and my youngest is six. When I was pregnant with my first, I had been a PT for maybe a year, six months, and I had terrible back pain. I had terrible, um, terrible hip pain, sex hurt, but I didn't understand how that had anything to do with delivering a baby. Zero clue whatsoever. Um, sure, because we get none of that training in school. None really. of that. So I ended up having a C-section for, for failure to progress. Also, it was dinner time. The guy came in and said, you're going to have a C-section tomorrow anyway, so you may as well do it now. I mean, it was, it was not a great experience. Oh, um, gosh. I didn't recognize how it wasn't a great experience until a year later when I was attending a seminar and somebody talked about how high the C-section rate is. And I went, oh, my God, that's me. And I just felt validated. Um, so then with my second child, I decided I was having a vaginal delivery. And in order to have a vaginal delivery, I needed to have midwives. And I needed to have midwives in the hospital because I didn't want to have a home birth. And so I traveled um, almost two hours to deliver my second child at a place where I could have a midwife in a hospital. But I Oh, and I also got a doula, so that was really helpful, but I still didn't do much with my body. Like, I still wasn't clear 
on what I needed to do to prepare physically and emotionally for that baby. So I did sure. have him. I did have him vaginally, um, but I had a third degree tear, and now I had a prolapse that I didn't have before, and now I had leaking that I didn't have before, and then my stomach looked kind of weird. Like I had this weird shelf that I didn't really know what that was. I was very, I was still very kind of confused about it. Sure. And then somewhere, and I think the yoga training was a huge part of this, I learned that that weird stomach thing was a diastasis recti. Mm-hmm. I learned that because my pelvic floor was so tight that I didn't really know how to push very effectively. I realized that my babies both kind of came down the birth canal, sort of rotated because one side of my pelvic floor was tighter than the other. One side of my abdominal wall was tighter than the other. So on my third pregnancy, which I joke that I only had him to do it all better. (laughs) (laughs) And I did. So it worked out. So my third pregnancy, I really, really focused on preparing my pelvic floor. I focused on relaxing. I focused on breathing. I focused on learning to let go. And I was going to have a, um, I got midwives. I was going to have a, a, a birth center birth instead of the hospital because I thought, gosh, if I'm going to do this vaginally, I need to not have an epidural. And I know that if I go to the hospital, I'll have an epidural. So I was going to do a home birth. And in the last minute, I ended up transferring to the hospital because I really wanted his epidural. But I ended up (laughs) delivering him within five minutes of arriving at the hospital. And I didn't even push. My body just knew what to do. And I that's think, amazing. Like, I mean, also I, amazing. You didn't give birth in the car, but <laughs> five minutes had been in the hospital. I had been out of the car for five minutes. Oh, gosh. but it was like I once in the car, I pushed because my body told me to only because sure. it felt good. Like I didn't even know that I was pushing. I was just doing what my body told me to do. Mm-hmm. And it felt and it felt good. Like it felt like what I was supposed to do. And then mm-hmm. once I got into the hospital, I pushed once, maybe twice, because somebody was yelling at me to push. And then he was born, wow. and I had no tearing. My prolapse wasn't any worse. Leaking wasn't any worse. And then I was able to really get my body in shape postpartum because I finally knew what to do. That's amazing. And, and breastfeeding kinda... was easier. Everything was easier with him. Oh, that's awesome to hear, too. Um, and you kind of hit on something there, like the learning to let go. That part, oh, that is like, that's what really hits home for me because you see so many women that are like, okay, kegel, kegel, you know, strengthen, strengthen. And then they don't know how to effectively push. And then also they don't know how to let go. So, you know, you, you can push all day, but if you can't relax your pelvic floor, then that baby just doesn't want to move. Yeah. We spend lots of time teaching people how to release their pelvic floor and then how to breathe into their pelvic floor, and then how to stretch and open the pelvic floor while holding one's breath, because that's what they're going to yell at you to do in the hospital. And mm-hmm. But my biggest, my biggest line for all women getting ready to have a baby is if we teach your body how to coordinate your breath, if we teach your pelvic floor how to relax, if we teach your body how to be coordinated, then it will know what to do when the baby comes. People are like, so how am I supposed to push? Like, we, I don't want you worrying about that while you're delivering a baby. Your body will know what to do if we give it the right tools ahead of time. Yeah, that is so true. And I've definitely experienced that with both of my kids that just 
you know, that it felt good, like just the your uterus was contracting on its own and you you almost couldn't stop the the you know push if you will uh-huh. it was kind of your body just doing it and it was like oh my gosh like this is my body to... is doing this itself like <laughs> if we just get out of the way if we give exactly. ourselves the tools and just get out of the way our bodies know what to do mhm exactly exactly so how was your recovery um what are some things I guess you did to prepare your body and and things you did after birth that you know made it so different for you besides so, having the education obviously well, <laughs> you know I learned I learned what an anxious 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 person I was somewhere around the second child and so there was a lot of emotional work on just being more relaxed I mean I would pra- I breathed and breathed and breathed slowly I focused on relaxing my body all the time even if I stubbed my toe I would just like stay calm and be like oh that doesn't even hurt I'm fine you know just really <laughs> I mean I spent so much time focusing on getting more relaxed on being less reactive on getting my anxiety under control and learning how to control my pelvic floor to deliver the baby and I really really believe I was able to Oh, and I did, I learned some of the skills, you know, that I needed to control my hip and back and pelvis pain. So that wasn't nearly as bad with that second baby. That's Um, great. And so I I was just able to walk more. I was just um, able to stay, you know, as a physical therapist, we're pretty active and you work all the way through pregnancy. So it wasn't that I was sitting around much, but I was just able to walk for exercise a little bit more. I just felt generally more relaxed. Um, but then the, the delivery was so much easier with him that I can really understand. I mean, after that, after that third degree tear, I mean, I couldn't even walk for walking was a, felt horrible for weeks. Oh, gosh, after yeah, that. I can't. I can't imagine. Oh my gosh. But then after Frankie was born, my third, it was great. I was ready to go. But I was also far more aware of my body by then, too. Sure. And that's amazing, too, especially when you have two other small children that you're chasing after, you know, thinking about having a baby and then kind of feeling okay and not feeling so bad like you did after the first two and having to chase your other ones. So it kind of, I'm sure that helped a lot. (laughs) Yeah, and I would say that that's a story that I hear more often from some of our clients that we help prepare for birth is that they just can't even believe how much easier the recovery is this time. Um, so that's really nice. But also, you know, so postpartum, we talk a lot about listening to your body and getting back to exercise when you're ready. And so what do we listen to? We talk about paying attention to our bleeding postpartum. And so even though I felt good, wow, I had a lot more bleeding because I was more active. And Oh, interesting. To be able to say, okay, no, you still have to rest. Your uterus is still a healing organ that has a wound inside of it. Oh, so, absolutely. So I to help myself remember, no, I'm still healing. There's still a lot of recovery, even though I feel good. And that's something to we we're constantly reminding our postpartum mamas, especially the really active ones who want to get back after it as quickly as possible. Yeah, you that, it's are it's recovering. A hard, yes, yeah. and that's such a hard pill to swallow too. Um, I my first was actually easier for me and had 
less issues. My second was kind of a whole drawn out scenario that um, was a lot rougher on my body. And um, after I had him, I remember my midwife was like, all right. And I didn't have any tearing. I didn't have anything like that. I just had a very um, drawn out delivery with some complications. And she was like, okay, no going upstairs for two weeks. And I'm like, my my daughter's bedroom's upstairs. Like, <laughs> she's three. Mean? How do I? Yeah. Like, what, what are you talking about? And she's like, no, no going upstairs for two weeks. And I was like, all right, this is what I would probably tell a patient as well. I just need to, like, step out of my mom brain for a second, you know, and think of this as me as a patient for once. And I did it. And it was so difficult to do. But I I remember the first time I went up the stairs, it was two weeks after birth. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm really glad I didn't do that, um, <laughs> you know, a week or two ago, because, man, <laughs> I could really feel it right after I went up. <laughs> We might not be quite as good at practicing what we preach as we ought to yeah, be that's, Oh my gosh, yes, that is so true. It's like, I, you know, you can tell patients to do it all day and then it's like when it's you, oh, yeah. It's good Oops. for us to have those experiences so we it know is. what we're asking people to do. Yes, it is, definitely. Definitely. Um, so what do you, how do you um, approach whenever... So, I I mean, postpartum care in the U.S., quite frankly, sucks. And so there are so many women out there that don't receive any, you know, immediately following birth. So I'm sure you see a lot of women who are, you know, two years, five years, even 10 years out that are still actually healing or have injuries from birth that never healed. And, you know, how do you approach that aspect? Because I know that's a, you know, a big question on everyone's minds. Our one of our mottos is once postpartum, always postpartum. You know, we ask how many babies did you have? And they'll say, Oh, you know, well, my baby's 20. And we'll say, you know, but still you your body changed to have a baby. Are you peeing your pants? How, do you have any weird vaginal symptoms? How was your birth experience? What was that like? Did you have a C-section? Did you tear? And, you know, a lot of times people can't even believe that we're asking those questions because it seems like it was so long ago, but it is, it is sad, but also gratifying to have people go, gosh, oh, it was so traumatic. Nobody ever talked to me. Nobody asked me how I was doing. I had no solutions to all these problems. Um, But we treat, you know, very often if somebody's coming that much later, it's not because we're talking about a pelvic floor problem or a core problem. It's because we're talking about neck pain or headaches or a knee problem or back pain. Um, but to be able to tie those things into never getting recovered after birth is is quite eye-opening. So we have kind of a sequence. And again, this is something that I, that I picked up in our yoga therapy training. Oh, that's of, awesome. Of core, of core strengthening of core progression from the inside out and from the bottom up instead of the outside in and the top down. And even if somebody is coming because their knee hurts, we have to get the core stability under control because that's where it all begins. Absolutely. That's, so that's yeah. No matter when they awesome. come in. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So one other thing I keep meaning to ask you. So your your business is called Breathe Physical Therapy and Wellness. Did that name 
come from kind of your experience and maybe your business partner's experience too with tying your breath into your body or where did that name come from? Um, well, we, when we decided to open a business, you know, we went, we went through lots and lots and lots and lots of names. And finally we just settled on breathe because we realized that every single exercise we do, every single action we do, whether it's core strengthening or whether it's for incontinence or prolapse or core stability or relaxing the shoulders because of headaches and neck pain or relaxing the low back because of back pain, it all starts with breathing. It starts with, um, getting our pelvic floor and diaphragm coordinated. It starts with knowing how to relax the stomach muscles so that we can breathe completely. And that can tie into a lot of people's back pain because we hold our, we're just taught as a society to hold our core so tight that that can result in a lot of back pain. And so we, teach the first thing we teach everybody, no matter what they're coming in for, is how to breathe. But everybody has a different pattern of breathing. And so it's sure. learning how to recognize which pattern of breathing you need to feel your best. But it all starts with breathing. It all starts with the breath. That's great. I kind of thought that was probably it, but I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yes. For our audience uh, at home who doesn't know yes, me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so and and going into that a little further, um, can you talk about a little bit about how your breathing actually does tie into your pelvic floor? Because I know that's a question for a lot of people when you when you say things like, oh, you know, your diaphragm's related to your pelvic floor and they kind of look at you like you have three heads. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? Ooh, this will be my challenge. I usually, I use a lot of, a lot of hand, hand <laughs> for this. I, I have, I have a handicap <laughs> <you> here. <laughs> okay. So if we imagine the diaphragm that sits on the top and that's like an umbrella or a jellyfish. And then we imagine, if we imagine it's like a canister umbrella on the top and then the pelvic floor is like an, uh, an upside down bolt, like a bowl on the bottom though there's some argument on whether or not it's actually a bowl, but we'll use that because it's useful. I like the bowl imagery. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine we've got a dome on the top and an upside dome on, dome on the bottom. I like to imagine it more like a pop can, like Mary Mazury treats it, like, talks about it like a pop can. So a dome yeah. on the top, a dome on the bottom, and then our abdominal muscles are like the sides of the pop can. And this system is a highly pressurized system, just like a pop can. So inside our abdomen. That's where all of our intestines lie. That's where all of our organs lie between our diaphragm and our pelvic floor. And this is a super, super pressurized system. So imagine that, you know, from a, from a skeletal perspective, the only bones that go between our pelvis and our rib cage are our spine in the back of our body. Otherwise it's all soft stuff in the middle. So how come we don't collapse into a heap you know, these, these soft muscles and, and organs that are inside our abdomen, they're not holding us up. It's because there's so much pressure inside our trunk. And so we can imagine that that pressure, you know, if you put a pot, if you put a pop can into a freezer, it bulges at the place where it's weakest. We, <laughs> we bulge. That, yes. <laughs> so we bulge at our weakest places too. And if we have, if our weak spot is in our stomachs from delivering a baby, then we might still look pregnant. If our weak spot is vaginally, um, then we might have a prolapse or we might pee our pants. If our weak spot is up towards our diaphragm, we might have a hiatal hernia. So there's all these places where if the pressure isn't managed in a uniform way, like a pot can that's not in a freezer, it's nice and smooth, then we can start to see problems. 
So we breathe with our diaphragms, right? So our diaphragms move when we breathe. And if we don't change our stomach muscles and change our pelvic floor muscles while we breathe, the pressure doesn't change in the same way. So when we're talking about the pressure, we want to imagine that moving up and down like a piston, like Julie Weeb describes. We breathe in, the piston moves down, the pelvic floor stretches and opens, the abdominal muscles stretch, the low back muscles stretch, and we breathe out, and the pelvic floor contracts just a little, moves up into the body towards your head, diaphragm moves up towards your head, abdominal muscles draw in and tighten around the sides. So we need this whole system to move together and be coordinated so that the pressure gets managed so that we don't cough or laugh or sneeze or jump and have the pressure go straight down towards our vaginas and make her, make us pee our pants or make our prolapses feel funny. I hope that that sounded ex- <laughs> makes yeah, sense to like, people at home. No, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's a great description, especially the, you know, and, you know, pressure management is such a difficult thing to um, convey anyway. And then especially, like you said, without visuals, <laughs> um, you know, that, that pregnant rubber chicken is always a good one. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's a great way to describe it. And like you said, you know, if you cough or sneeze or laugh or jump on a trampoline or something like that, pressure's got to go somewhere and it's going to go to your weakest point. You know, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. One of the things when we talk about pressure, which is always interesting for me to see, especially after someone's had a baby, when their stomach, the connective tissue and the abdominal muscles is really stretched, just as we're working on core strengthening to watch what happens when somebody laughs or coughs while we're talking and to see their stomachs just jump out at me because they laugh, I know that they're coughing into their stomach instead Mm -hmm. of spreading that pressure of the cough out throughout their entire trunk. Mm -hmm. So just a cue of try to cough more into your back. Try to try to send that cough up into your back a little bit more can make leaking 50% better just by changing how we cough. So it's so much less about just doing bunches of kegels and core strengthening and more about how do we shift the pressure around and that's so amazing to think about, you know, just changing one small little thing like that, that doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take any exercises. It doesn't take anything like that. It's just literally shifting where you cough. You know? Yeah. It does take mindfulness though. So that's, oh, yes. that's the hard part. That's the hard Absolutely. part. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of started to touch on something I was going to ask about. So, you know, for all of the pregnant mamas or the moms who are like we were talking about five, 10 years out and have just heard for years like, oh, you leak, do your kegels. You, you know, you have this issue, do your kegels, pain with sex, do your kegels, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, what are, what are your, uh, what's your um, take on that? (laughs) And I think I know where it's going to (laughs) go. Well, most, so here's the, here's the trouble is in all of our research, we, are told that women need to do 30 to 50 or 30 to 80 kegels a day to not pee their pants. We are told that women who can do a certain amount of pelvic floor strengthening and hold it for a certain amount of time are less likely to pee their pants. Um, and so, and that's what's taught in school, in classes too. And so even PTs who have had pelvic floor training come out so much so focused on doing kegels still. 
But we know that you are an individual who uses your body entirely different from me as an individual. And there are some people who really do everything really well and they really just need to do their giggles. <laughs> but I would say that it's not that many. I would say that most people, if we can teach you how to breathe appropriately, your body does kegels when you breathe automatically. So it's about retraining your system to do what it's supposed to, lining the system up well. And then most people just have to learn how to relax their pelvic floor, not strengthen. I think more people in our anxiety-soaked world where we hold our stomachs in so we look nice and we're so busy all the time we're just holding all this tension in our body. So many of our problems will be solved if we can learn how to be balanced and relax. Not so oh, many giggles. <laughs> absolutely. Oh my gosh. I um I actually had pelvic floor therapy myself. Um this was right after we did our training. Um like literally, I think we went to training in the spring and I had pelvic floor over the summer, fall and I had done an internship in pelvic floor. Like I had experience with it. Um, and still when I went and she did the evaluation, she was like, you have got to relax. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, once I figured out the relaxation part of it, because I was still coming from that mindset of strengthening and, you know, oh, we've got to be stronger and all these, you know, false um false information that we've kind of been fed. Once I got it through my head that I needed to relax, oh my gosh, my my body changed. Like my back pain got better. My hip pain got better. And like you said, when I would lay on the floor and just really mindfully breathe, I could almost feel my body doing a Kegel itself as I was breathing, just not even trying to. But I could feel that pelvic floor movement, which was amazing. It's kind of the same as we were discussing with delivering a baby. If we can just relax and get out of our own way, then our body knows what to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Getting out of our own way is always an issue, it seems like, for just about anything. You know, we, all, we just want to rub, we want to rub all these muscles out all the time. We want to spend so much time. And don't get me wrong. We all, we all need help. And we all everybody, I mean, I get a massage twice a month. Like, so don't get me wrong here. I know that we all need help with, you know, externally to have somebody help us relax. Oh, for, absolutely. For those of us who may be a little bit uptight like me, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and me, yes. <laughs> you know, I just don't think you just get to be a physical therapist and then open a business without being a little bit uptight. But it's still, and it's something that I work on constantly. It's always something that I have to personally work on to get my body to be relaxed. But I sort of look at it, I try to, don't always, but look at it as, a, as kind of a blessing of now, okay, I know when I am getting too stressed. I know when I am getting too busy. I know when I am not focusing on the things that need to be focused on because things start to hurt or my body gets too tight or my I start to leak more or sex starts to hurt more. And it's like, okay, this is my body's way of telling me to chill out so that I don't get heart disease or diabetes or some other, you know, chronic health problem that comes with being too busy or too stressed. So I, I try to, I try to flip it around and look at something to be grateful for. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to look at it, you know, cause our bodies really do give us 
warning signs, and it's just whether we listen to them or not. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so what would you say to, and I, I know you've heard this clinically before, um, the moms out there who are, like we said, five, 10 years out, and maybe they have some leaking or some pain with sex, and it's just kind of that like, oh, well, that's that's normal. You know, I had kids. It's just, just part of life, just part of um, getting older, and I just deal with so it. So I think the first thing that is important is it's like there's this all or none mentality of either you need to wear pads or you go to PT and do your Pilates and you stop leaking entirely of what's normal and what's abnormal. And honestly, I think that a little bit of incontinence after we've had a baby for some people is, you know, something that we just need to accept a little bit about ourselves. But a lot of leaking, that's not okay. That's a problem. A lot of, um, you know, no, you don't need to have pain with sex. No, you don't have to be terrified that you're going to wet your pants in the store. Like those are things that absolutely can be helped, but it's, we just don't have the same budget as the pad companies. And also it takes work, you know, like we're talking about, it takes mindfulness, it takes dedication, it takes exercise, it takes time to train our bodies to change how we do things so that we don't have all these problems later. Um, But, you know, I, I think what it comes down to as physical therapists, our job is to help you help women meet their goals where they are. Some women, for some women, I will not pee my pants at all with any exercise. And those people, we can almost absolutely meet those goals. We can figure this out. And that person is so dedicated that they will do exactly what we ask and they will get that accomplished. Some people... You know, some people are like, you know, awesome. I don't care if I pee my pants a little bit when I cough. Like, <laughs> this is this is fine. This is not bothering me. <laughs> I just want to be able to walk four miles and not worry about where the bathroom is, because everybody is everybody's different with what they want to achieve. Some people want to run marathons, and some people want to play with their kids in the backyard. And so we have to figure out what it is that you want from this, and then work together and figure out a pro- figure out a a plan that gets you to where you want to be. And maybe it's not a flat stomach. Maybe it's not, you don't ever leak and zero, have zero prolapse symptoms, but we, we need to guide women through body acceptance because after we've had a baby, we're different. We're not, we're, we have to rehab our bodies to our new selves and accept the changes that happen with having a baby. But acceptance doesn't necessarily mean we settle either. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> we just, we still, yes. we can still, there's still so much we can do to feel our best, but our best is not, my best isn't the same as your best. Oh, absolutely. In our, we have a, a meeting every week and in our meeting today, we were talking about guiding women through the decision to have abdominal plasty for cert, for whether like, oh, wow. because mm-hmm. we say we want, you know, everybody's talking about fixing weak stomach muscles after we've had a baby. Um, But sometimes in physical therapy, we don't fix that. We make you feel stronger. We help you do what you want to do in life. But for some women, that's not enough. And for some women, they do surgery will make them feel so much better. 
And so it's this decision, again, that same decision of meeting you where you are and you've worked so hard to do this. And now emotionally, maybe you do want to have surgery, but that's okay too. It's again, it's that same, this, this, it's not all or none. There's this place in the middle where we, where women just need somebody to guide them to help make the best decision for them. That's so true. And I think that's hard for a lot of practitioners in, in everybody. Every, yes. Um, yes. And, and every scope of, you know, it's, it's hard for everyone to, you know, accept that it's not, it, this isn't you your decision. This isn't you doing something. This is your patient's decision and what's best for them. Oh, right. Them. You know, like a surgeon <laughs> does surgery. They're really good at surgery and they know that surgery is exactly. going to solve the problem. We're a physical therapist. We're really good at figuring out how to exercise and stand and move. And we believe that this is going to solve all your problems, but that's not, you know, it's, that's not accurate at all. We all have, we all have our limits and not everybody needs what we have to offer. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> giving everybody the ability to make, yes. you know, it's, it's just a huge, how can you find somebody to walk with you on making the decisions that, and from a fully informed place? Oh, absolutely. I had a friend the other day who was just, you know, I was telling them that I was getting ready to talk to you and what kind of th- uh, things did they want me to address basically. And, um, They've kind of become my uh, the ones I go to for the that's brilliant. The <laughs> um, yeah, and it works out really well because we're all in different. We live in different areas. We're kind of in different stages of motherhood, and and so it's really nice to get like three different, you know, varying opinions. But one of the things um, she said was, you know, after she had her baby, it was like it feels like things shifted in flight. Uh (laughs) you know it's like your body just doesn't like she said she can feel different things in different areas and you know it just doesn't feel the same and you know different positions during sex aren't the same and it's something that's very hard for us to adjust to it's very hard and partially you know that's our society too where we don't talk to each other we don't People go into having babies, and unless they're very lucky and have had some very open women around them, it seems like everything's just in because what we see on TV and what we see in magazines is people just have babies and then they look great and they feel fine. <laughs> yeah, they don't show the women immediately postpartum wearing depends and bleeding and hardly being able to or, walk. Yeah, no. Or nobody talks about how they're, they, God, you know, since I had that baby, my vagina just doesn't feel the same. <laughs> Like we don't just, Yeah, exactly. You know, heaven forbid we say the right. word vagina anyway, but yeah. You know. Well, that's exactly. If we could all just say my vagina feels weird, like we say my finger feels weird, I think that would be very, very helpful. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. As if we're talking about our arm, you know, that would make things a lot easier. And it comes down to the village mentality of of saying, okay, you know, yes, yeah, your ba- your body just isn't the same. There are there's a lucky few that really do feel just fine after. I don't even know if it's a lucky few. I think it's a pretty good percentage of people that really just feel fine after they have babies. We just don't get the chance to talk to those people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. They keep their mouth. They don't. They don't have any problems. So they don't come talk to us. Um, mm-hmm. So partially, it is. It comes down to the amount of bother. You know, what is, so no, my, 
sex doesn't feel the same, my vagina doesn't feel the same, but how much does it bother me? Because that's what we we really want to work with is is helping people meet goals and how much does it bother me? Okay, so sometimes just understanding what it is can just take the bother out of it. Like why why that's a very good my point. vagina feel the same? Oh, because you know, your bladder in almost every woman who has been pregnant or ever had a baby, your bladder is just a little bit lower than it used to be. And for some people it's a lot lower. And for some and or maybe there was like maybe your pelvic floor muscles had a little bit of a tear in them after you had a baby. And so now the left side doesn't have as much muscle as the right side does. So that makes sense why you would feel that way. Let's work with these muscles and get them as as strong as we can. You know, like to just to say this is why and this is normal and there's something we can do about it. But also if you can, you know, once you know what it is and it doesn't bother us as much, then it just doesn't bother us as much. Yes, exactly. That's what um, I had a professor one time that was saying, he was talking about suffering, Um, you know, when you're sick or in pain or, and you know, whatever it may be. And he was talking about how suffering is really not knowing what's wrong. And once you know what's wrong, that suffering kind of calms down and you may still have issues, you may still have pain, you may still have other things going on, but the, the suffering itself and the the problems that it's causing itself kind of well now you can lead me into an entirely different conversation about (laughs) thinking about like the opioid crisis and how you know people in the hospital are given oh you hurt here's some medicine oh you hurt here's some medicine oh you hurt here's more medicine and saying instead Mm -hmm. of saying well of course you hurt you just had a massive surgery and this hurt is normal I know that you can handle this let's talk about some breathing (laughs) instead of like we got to take away all suffering We've kind of got in in our mm-hmm. in our country of we must remove all suffering from all people, and if we've got to be addicted to drugs to do it, then so be it. Yeah, and I agree. If if they would just you know kind of explain like this is why you're healing, and this is why it hurts, and this is what's going on. Yeah, it would absolutely. You're super change strong. The I know you can handle this. You're going to feel better in about six weeks, <laughs> and then you will feel mm-hmm. better in six weeks because somebody said, "I know that you're going to feel better." that this is, this is normal and this is what you're supposed mm-hmm. to feel. And I know you can handle it and you'll feel better soon. <laughs> yeah, so an absolutely. example is I have, <laughs> I have probably a grade three. I have quite a bladder prolapse after my second child and I have. Okay. And, and for the listeners, how many grades of there bladder are, prolapse? Well, are? it depends on the scale, but four is, is what I, sure. I think <laughs> of. And so a fourth degree bladder prolapse would be okay. that the bladder is just hanging outside of your body. So my bladder is low. Like I can feel it's not outside of my body, but it is close. So I have symptoms. Like I feel there's a wetness that I feel and it's not like my underwear is wet. Um, I have a bubble feeling. There's some strange sensations that I have and, you know, they annoy me. I am aware of them from time to time, but they don't bother me because I know what it is. Now, I'm not saying that I, you know, I'm, I'm also considering having prolapse surgery because I've been working on things for a long time and it's not better. So when we're thinking postpartum, one of the things that we constantly talk about is can't we get stronger postpartum because estrogen is extremely protective of our bones and muscles. And we are as strong as we're going to be in our 30s 
But then we start to go through, or maybe our late 20s, right? But then we start to go through menopause and then in our mid 40s or late 40s, and then estrogen starts to go away. And once estrogen is gone, then a lot of our problems get magnified. And so I'm thinking about my prolapse from a position of it doesn't bother me that much right now. I can run, I can exercise. I don't like to jump or dance or jump on the trampoline because of my bladder. But what's going to happen when I go through menopause? I got my period really early, so I'm probably going to go through menopause earlier oh, than sure. some people, maybe, hopefully not. But that's where I start to go, okay, I'm, I'm probably going to have prolapse surgery at some point because I've done all the things that I can do. It bothers me. It doesn't bother me so much that I can't do what I want to, but I've done the exercises and I can accept that that's just part of where I'm going. Sure, sure. And that, you know, that happens. And like you said, it's better to, you know, kind of prepare for it now and, and see if that's the route you want to go than, like you said, right, waiting. dangling until... outside my body. That, just, that doesn't sound pleasant. That seems like that would bother me more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. On that subject of perimenopause starting around age 35 and how that, you know, not for everyone, but it can and how, um, you know, symptoms and everything. And I was just like, you know, you sit right. and think like, crap, how old am I? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like a, a, a smack in the face realization, like, holy shit, this is, hey, this is, uh, you know, I'm 42 and my, um, I got my period when I was nine. I did breastfeed for a while, but they kind of correlate early, you know, when, when menopause happens. So I kind of am expecting to start going through menopause in the next five to six years. And I think, okay, my, my, my mission is to get as strong as I can before that happens so that I can glide through it as easily as possible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's a whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm not an expert from that. <laughs> okay, well, um, last thing would be, what are some of your favorite, um, you know, tips or advice that you would give to, okay, let's, let's do this twofold. Advice for someone who is pregnant and getting ready to have a baby or maybe just like immediately postpartum, um, what they can do to kind of heal and then take that out to someone who's, you know, five or 10 years. What are some advice you could give them? Okay. So immediately postpartum is to work on breathing, breathe in pelvic floor stretches and opens, breathe out and kegel. And that, I mean, you can do this while you are holding that baby minute that baby was born, work on breathing, work on, and it's not about, it's in this, it's not about strength. It's not about how strong am I? It's not about anything like that other than getting your body to talk to itself, to reconnect, to reconnect your breath with your pelvic floor and know that that's what it's supposed to do. So breathing is the very first thing coordinating, breathe in, pelvic floor stretches and opens, breathe out, kegel. We should kegel and breathe out at the same time. And just like a few, that's my first, the first physical advice right after a baby is born. And then the next advice for that is give it time. I didn't really, most, most postpartum mamas don't really have the time or energy to really, really focus on postpartum core work until the baby's at least one. So know that you do, you know, you do do what you can in those in those first early years, but know that there's time 
and know that it's not an emergency and know that you will get stronger, just maybe not as quickly as you'd like. I'm so glad you said that because I, I feel like so many moms are like, oh, my gosh, I'm six weeks postpartum and I've got to jump on this, you know. Um, so I'm so glad you mentioned that to just, you know, take your time and let your body relax and let yourself adjust. <laughs> like, yeah, we, you know, we do, we really advocate for a two-week postpartum physical therapy visit to talk about posture and feeding the baby position and neck pain and shoulder pain and breathing and to process the birth story and just to get started. But we also say, okay, so you're great. You're doing great on these exercises, but then we go back to work and then everything falls apart. And so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so just to know and constantly know to give ourselves grace and we do what we can when we can. And there's, there's just so much time. It just doesn't have to be such a big rush. Like, so my, when my youngest was three and a half, I looked around and went, huh, I feel pretty good. <laughs> but he was three and a half. And so, yeah. it, you know, I was, I think I spent a decade, I consider my thirties, my baby making decade, my baby making and recovering and so much personal growth just from what that, what that was like. But now with my youngest being six, I can really, really focus on you know, I'm doing heavier weightlifting. And now that I, I spent those first several years really focusing on rebuilding my body well and feeling stronger. And so now at 42, after three babies, I feel stronger and in better shape and I can move better than I ever could in my 20s because I didn't know all of this stuff. Oh, that's awesome. So knowing that there's time and knowing that it's never too late to start and just give ourselves grace. Yeah, absolutely. The It's never too late to start and give yourself grace. Those are like two of the biggest pieces of advice I wish every woman could get when they, I mean, it, everyone in general, but also every woman when they get pregnant, that's like, those Time two and grace. pieces of Time advice and grace. save a lot of, <laughs> of problems. <laughs> I'm gonna, that's going to be the name of my podcast someday. I like Time it. and grace. Perfect. I like it. <laughs> I talk too much to host a podcast if you ask questions. <laughs> this is why it's nice having you as a guest because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the mamas who are maybe, you know, five, 10 years out? What are some good tips for them? That's the, it's never too late to start. You know, it's don't think because you didn't start right away that it's too late. And we do the exact same. It's, you know, I I think, okay, five to 10 years later, we might be backing up a little bit. You know, we might have to undo the habits that we've learned. And so it's still time and grace and know that we we can come up with a quick fix for your problem. That might make you feel better right now. And if that's what you want, we're all for it. That's A-okay. If you've got, let's say I'm peeing my pants. We might say, okay, here's how you stand. Here's how you do some kegels. Here's how you breathe. And this will make you feel better right now. If that's what somebody's coming in for. Let's say they're coming in for pants peeing, bladder control problems. Okay, this is what we can do. But this person might also have headaches and a shoulder problem and a foot problem. And so what's, what do we want to deal with here? Do we want the quick fix? Not, it's not necessarily quick. I shouldn't say that. Do we want to focus specifically on leaking? Or do we want to back off and take the time to peel away the layers of the onion and really, really understand our bodies from the inside out and 
improve our mindfulness. It's so I think the advice for somebody who's five to 10 years postpartum is to know what you want and know what you're willing to give and know how much time you have to dedicate to it and, and know our goals and to find the right person who can guide to guide you because almost even, especially, I mean, us, we know what we're doing us PTs, but we need help. Like we don't need, we don't see our own bodies and it's, it's important to find somebody to help and to know what you want and know that no matter what it takes time. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty much spot on amazing advice. And a lot of that, I wish I would have known myself, you know, after my first and just never too late. Either. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I'm kind of on the, like the one year giving myself grace, you know, especially as we, you know, sit here still kind of somewhat locked down and social distancing and everything else. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, having a baby and um, having a, a three-year-old and then going into lockdown and everybody working from home. It's just been, it's been a trip. That's for sure. It was definitely not the postpartum experience I was planning on having yeah, by any means. No so, Holy moly. yeah. So I'm kind of, well, I'm at the 11 month mark and I'm just now really starting to be able to pay attention to myself a little more, you know, as, um, as he's a little more independent and takes a little better naps and actually yeah, sleeps all it. night finally. And <laughs> Every mama, I never felt like a human being again until my babies were about 10 months old. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, I am. Oh, I do have my own interests. Oh, I am a human being. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's such a, such a ride. That's for sure. The journey. Okay. Well, is there anything else you would like to add while I've got you? I think that we covered, I feel like it was less about the exercises than maybe we wanted, but it's really the, it's the mindset, mm -hmm. which I think is, it covers the most important mindset is the most important. Yeah, I think I think that's great. And um, I, I kind of thought our conversation would take a few turns. That's why we, you know, don't plan these things out. <laughs> they just kind of go where they where they need to go. <laughs> yes, that was amazing. So thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. This is, are we allowed to say that this is your first one that you've recorded? Well, we are, so we are now. How did it go? <laughs> Uh, it was really fun, it really actually. Well. Yes. Um, it kind of made me even more excited to keep uh, down this path. So, Whoa, yeah. That's super exciting, too. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. As I'm, like, sitting here, I'm I'm literally, okay, I'm going to be blatantly honest here. I'm recording in my closet, which I will say is a very large walk-in closet, but still, it's kind of hilarious um, because it's the quietest place in my house and my 11-month-old and 4-year-old are, well, soon-to-be 4-year-old are in the other room. And <laughs> um, I've heard closets have the best acoustics. Yes. Too. So I've heard this as well. And then also it is like six degrees outside. So, and uh, the, this closet is really cold when the door shuts. So I've been like shivering for half shivering. of this <laughs> conversation. You should have some sweaters close by. I know. I'm wearing a sweatshirt and I was like, um, if I get up and grab a shirt, are they going to hear me? Like, <laughs> they hear the rustling. Yes. But 
Yeah, it's been so much fun having you on. I'm so glad that you joined me today, especially for my first one. It definitely got the jitters out having someone I know. <laughs> well, it, I thought it went really well. Good. Well, thank you. You did and, a nice job. <laughs> thank you. Okay. On that note, if anyone wants to contact your clinic, how would they go about doing that? Our website is www.breathe, B-R-E-A-T-H-E, D as in dog, S-M.com. We are super, super active on social media. So you can follow us on um, Instagram or Facebook at breathedsm.com or just breathedsm. Our mission is to provide as much possible information as we can for free. So we know that not everybody can come to see us. So we try to just share as much of our knowledge as we can. Interesting, an interesting side note is if you, Elvie is a pelvic floor trainer. Yes. And uh-huh. I did I did one review on it just on a whim in my living room one day. And if you search for LV pelvic floor trainer reviews, we're on the first page. Oh, that's which I think awesome. is hilarious. <laughs> and it's so it and it just ties as it's just an illustration of we just want to help as many people with just neutral knowledge sharing as we can because we think that the more the more women know about this, the more other practitioners get a more holistic view of it, the more we can change healthcare for postpartum women everywhere. That's, that's amazing. And actually I'm going to look up that review because I want to, I want to see it. I was curious about the one, that one myself, just, <laughs> you know, cause you, you see all the ads pop up and everything. It's like, Hmm, I wonder what, you know, if that actually does work or uh, I will definitely search for that. And then also for the listeners, um, join Libby's group. Um, they have an amazing Facebook group that is super active. There are a lot of really awesome moms in there who give some great advice and just, um, some of the educational stuff you post in there is really awesome. So you guys are doing a great job. And that's, that's, the, our Facebook group is Breathe Women's Wellness. Okay. So that's this. That's the group for um, just talking to other women. Awesome. And um, I can link to that as well. So yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is really fun. Thanks for joining me on the All Out Motherhood podcast. Want more? Head over to alloutmotherhood.com for show notes, links, and discounts from today's episode. And while you're there, be sure to join the All Out Motherhood Collective Facebook community, where you'll find even more support to get you to that positive test and through all the rest of your motherhood journey. See you next time.